Greetings everyone and welcome to another edition of Wrestling Hostel. Presents Fallout Down Under, number two, Wright City Wrestling Reanimated 15. I'm your host, Chris Funder, joined by the ever delightful Mr. Alex Freddy Williams. Alex, how are you today? I'm fantastic. I'm feeling like millions of dollars, millions of dollars, millions of dollars. Ooh, ah, ooh, ah, ooh, ah. And I'm just excited to talk about Riot City Wrestling. Yes, we'll be getting to that in just a moment. But just a quick reminder, you can subscribe to the podcast. Just search Wrestling Ostel on SoundCloud, Spotify and Podbean. And also give us a follow on social media. I am at I am Chris Funder. At Fruity is Alex. And of course you can follow the show on Twitter at WrestleOzStyle. But now you can also search for us on Facebook. Yeah, give us a like. Yes, indeed. So, Alex, it's a bit weird. I didn't talk to you at all last episode. And um, how have you been with quarantine? I have been going, as the great Pat Patterson would happily say, banana. I have been going banana in the house. I've been watching a lot of 1993 WCW Saturday nights. And let me assure you that Big Van Vader versus Cactus Jack is the greatest feud in wrestling that no one's no one talks about. And I'm, like, legit about that, too. Oh, wow. I might have to actually check that Their one out. match is insane. And you're still just working from home at the moment with the uh, current restrictions? Yeah, yeah. So um, now it's sort of eased off a bit for us. So I've been able to go see the parents, and the parents have been able to come see me now. And met a met a couple of kids that my mates have had over this quarantine time so I've had two friends that gave birth during this quarantine time which is crazy and yeah so it's been good it's been good I've, like I said I've been going banana in the house but wrestling has helped me from that yeah yeah I'd have to agree I'm still as I've said before, I work in hospitality at a detached bottle shop, so I'm still there a few days a week, which gets me out of the house, thankfully. Otherwise, I'd be going stir-crazy just sitting here seven days a week. Um, yeah, but wrestling, as little as I'm watching of the North American product, I'm really enjoying going back and watching a lot of um, Australian wrestling at the moment. Yeah, and there's plenty of it out there if you know the right places to look on the interwebs. Yes, indeed, especially something like what we're watching today, which is available for free on YouTube, so you've got no reason not to go and check it out. Exactly, and there's some, well, some great stuff to talk about on this card. So with that being said, do you just want to jump straight into it, Alec? Let's do it. Okay, so Wright City Wrestling's reanimated 15 from the Latvian Hall in Adelaide, South Australia. On February 8th, uh, as I said just before, this is available on the Wright City Wrestling YouTube channel for free. Um, did you give the pre-show a quick watch? Uh, I did not. No, I honestly just clicked on the thing for the main show and just went for that. Fair enough. Um, just the pre-show was about... 10 minutes or so, pretty good. Just brought you up to speed on all the details in Wright City Wrestling heading into this show. So have you seen Wright City Wrestling before or a 
full event before. I have not watched a full event before. I've seen a couple of matches over the years because I have heard of them through other podcasts and all that sort of stuff. But I've never... I really am getting introduced to a lot of these characters for the first time today and even the venue and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and with that being said, what were your thoughts on this venue? Because at the start of the year, they um, lost access to HQ in Adelaide and are no longer going to be running there. Yeah, um, this venue wasn't too much to write home about. Like, it didn't really make an impression on me, either good or bad. It was just a independent wrestling venue for me. Yeah, so from those who saw some of the shows maybe last year or the year before when they were in HQ as a setup, I'd have to say very similar to like a NXT in full sale with a LED boards around the entranceway and that sort of thing. So this one's more sort of in your community, suburban sort of uh, town hall sort of thing. Yeah, what, what was this called? The Latvian Hall or something? So Latvian Hall in Wayville. Yeah. Yeah, so I've been to a Ukrainian hall before to watch Mayhem Pro Wrestling once, but, but yeah, not a Latvian hall. No, no, and I think that goes back to Australia's uh, past and different cultures migrating over and having a meeting place, but <laughs> we're getting off track already. Yeah, yeah. So we'll move on. We're not going to talk about uh, the German-Austrian-Australian club that's right around the corner from where I live. (laughs) No (laughs) lies. Not for Germans, not for Austrians. It's for German-Austrian-Australians. But anyway. (laughs) Maybe another day. (laughs) If we ever ever look into a 16-carat gold, I'm sure we can talk about that. (laughs) So we'll move on to the first match. It's... Mike Boomer and Zach Sabbath versus Pereira, Eli Furious, and Gabriel Arios. So before the start of the match, Gabriel the Pereira says he's medically unclear to compete. Zach nominates himself to take on Eli one-on-one, but Mike Boomer attacks at Eli and they brawl around ringside, and Zach leaves the ring as the referee calls for the bell for the match to start with Mike and Eli. From there, we go on to the actual match. So it's a singles match now, Mike versus Eli. Early two counts in the going on for Eli as he works over Mike's injured and taped up shoulder. Mike applies a grapevine, but Eli escapes by getting to the rope with some help from Gabriel. Mike reapplies the grapevine and Eli taps. However, Gabriel is on the apron distracting the referee. Mike gets up thinking that he's won. However, Eli ends up spitting in Mike's face, which causes him to fire up. Mike gets a chair that is conflicted and decides not to use it, putting it down in one of the corners. And as the referee goes to remove the chair, Eli hits Mike low and delivers a powerbomb. Sabbath then interferes and removes the referee. Mike then puts Eli back in a grapevine for the third time. And Sabbath holds back Gabriel on the outside as Eli taps Mike Boomer and Zach Sabbath are now number one contenders to the tag team titles in 736. Yeah, uh, good hot opening match. The exact match you want to put on to kick off a show, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And sort of the 
the heels here using the tactic of, oh, I'm injured, I can't compete, and then it sort of backfires in their face. Yeah, exactly. Um, the Pereira are great. I've seen them a few times. Um, yeah, Zach Sabbath and M- Mike Boomer, I'd never seen any of their stuff before. And uh, they were very impressive. First time I'd seen either of those guys. Yeah, I'd have to say a great uh, opening match. Got the crowd really rolled up uh, for the night ahead. So we move on to match number two. It's Jonathan Corbidet versus Baron. I am so excited to talk about this. The floor is yours, my friend. All right, so I've said it a few times on our podcast. If you want good wrestling... There's so much good wrestling out there that it sort of becomes redundant after a while. And I miss characters in wrestling. And I got a character overload in this match, and I loved it. There was the right amount of cheesiness and corniness with, like, just good, brutal, big band wrestling in this. And, yeah, I... I there's just something that really hit me in the feels with this match. I just loved it. So, start of the match, Jonathan is trying to be the fast man running inside and outside the ring from Baron, but they end up both on the same side at once and start brawling. Jonathan retreats going into the crowd as Baron follows, but he ends up trying to hide in amongst the fans with other fans pointing him out. <laughs> they brawl back around, and go into the ringside. Baron delivers a discot lariat into a pile driver and pins Jonathan in 426. So this is a quick match, but geez, I loved it. I love seeing like it's almost nostalgic now to see the big scary monster come out and just slowly walk and just kill someone. And actually be able to see see what it was like when The Undertaker could move. So, And um, Riot City's got a few pretty tall men on their roster as well. Uh, I'm a, I've, I haven't made it a secret at all. I'm a big fan of some hosses in wrestling. I, I love the big boys. And uh, Riot City definitely has, in particular, about... Four big guys that I would love to see get utilised all around the country. And this Baron dude, whilst I'm not sure what it's like in a lengthy match, I don't think he needs to be in a lengthy match. So, Yeah, he's the kind of guy you could um, build up to a title contention by just cleaning out the undercard in quick, under 10-minute matches. Yeah, there's... There's a lot of potential with him. Like, if you put a put him and say a Jet Armstrong in a feud together as with Jet as a scrappy underdog against this giant monster, you could have pure magic on your hands there. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Um, and speaking of the Armstrongs, in match number three, we go to Nick Armstrong versus Adam Brooks. Now this match happened the morning that Adam Brooks 
announced that he was the newest signee to Ring of Honor Wrestling in the United States. Yeah. yeah. We're losing another another star overseas. That was a um, huge day. I remember being quite, uh, quite shocked, actually, that that's where Brooksy was going next. I, I just... Um, I think it caught me off guard, considering um, Slex had just left the month prior to go over to Ring of Honor, and then... Uh, Brooksy's still the current MCW uh, champion, and now he's also going over to Ring of Honor. And was this before or after they announced Kellyanne as well? Uh, she got announced next month because she got announced just prior to it was like a fortnight before the Ring of Honor anniversary show. Yeah. So like, what are you doing, Ring of Honor? Just poaching all our stuff come on well it's good that somebody <laughs> that they are getting the opportunities now because when me and you <laughs> were in high school who was the only aussie on international wrestling <laughs> oh you mean like north american wrestling at least the great the beast from boggo road yeah good old nathan jones like come on I, i'm still hoping like that there's some secret like footage of him and test just going at it big booting each other i, I want to see that dark match somewhere yeah never know one day maybe <laughs> give me nathan jones someone's got to bring him back world series wrestling um yeah speaking of them i don't think they'll be happening for a little while because of all the border restrictions. Yeah, unfortunately, that's a risk you take when you pretty much rely on international talent instead of boosting your homegrown talent to sell tickets. Yeah. I don't want to say anything mean about World Series Wrestling, but I, I don't need to see Tommy Dreamer come over and wrestle a thousand times and beating homegrown guys. I... Oh, I just want to see some good old Aussie wrestling. Do you remember when Dreamer put out that tweet saying he put Aussie wrestling on the map and everyone just piled on him? Oh, what? I This is my first time hearing of this. Uh, I almost broke Kizay Fabe then by saying some naughty words. So, yeah. Yeah, apparently around the time it must have been the... Th- just after the second tour of House of Hardcore, he put out a tweet saying something to the effect that House of Hardcore put Australian wrestling on the map. Oh dear, that would have gone over really well. Yeah, well after that I think there was only one more House of Hardcore tour and he hasn't done any more since. Yeah, yeah. Well, best of luck to World Series Wrestling. Hopefully they can bounce back and bring Austin Aries back over once again. I was very sarcastic, folks. (laughs) I think if they use this time to maybe do what a lot of companies can't do, like, for various political reasons, like, look at, um... Let's say, look at, um, uh, Melbourne, for example. You have your two big promotions in Melbourne City and Professional Championship... So if you did a, a, a WSW Australian Super Show in Melbourne, you could have um, mixed company matches with those two if you wanted to focus solely on Australian talent. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if I've ever discussed it with you before, but I would love the idea of like a 
Australian independent wrestling, like, super show sort of tour where, like, say, like, a WSW took, like, the best uh, from each promotion around the country and just toured around Australia with it. It'd be awesome. Like, you could even do, like, a best of Australia tournament or something like that with it. Yeah. It's like the guys they use are from all these different promotions, so... Yeah, and that's why I sort of floated that idea that just because you can't bring in nationals doesn't mean there's no wrestling over here to still run a show. But we've gone off track again. <laughs> of course we have. Um, so, sorry, we're back to match number three. It's Nick Armstrong and Adam Brooks. Brooks has been announced for Ring of Honor Wrestling going over there shortly. The two men have a combined 650 days as RCW champion. Yeah, insane. Insane. Fast-paced early match with both men exchanging near falls at points. Nick lands a blue thunderbomb at one point for a two count, while shortly after, Brooksy lands a frosbly flop to the outside onto Nick. Brook goes to the top rope to try for a swanton bomb, but Nick moves out of the way, and Brooksy crashes onto the mat, but Nick's too slow to make the cover and only gets a two count. Going into the closing stage, Brooksy hits the swanton bomb from the top rope and gets the pinfall victory in 13-23. Post-match, the crowd gave him a standing ovation as it's possibly the last time they'll see him in RCW for a while. Absolutely fantastic match, and you don't expect anything less from these two guys. My only complaint was if I squinted my eyes, I couldn't tell who was who. Like, Brooksy and Armstrong look very similar at times. Both with their blonde hair at the same same time. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know, just the little quick guys with with the blonde hair and all that. But I also need to correct something I said earlier. I said Jed Armstrong versus Baron. Nick Armstrong versus Baron was what I was meant to say. Like, that little dude and that big dude... That would be sensational storytelling. Oh, yeah. And it's a story that's been told many, many times in many different promotions, so you do see that it will work well. It, it works. Yeah. Big guy, little guy. It works. Match number four, it's Mick Moretti challenging the RCW champion Rocky Monero, who's accompanied by Miss Madeline and Tyler Daniels. Uh, all right, quickly, I just want to say, I am obsessed with... Mick Moretti's music, it's so cool. The turn down for what, like, rock version? Yeah, his indie music, which he doesn't use in um, PWA anymore, I believe. Yeah, so he comes out to, like, this rock version of Turn Down For What, which is, like, a dead meme from, like, three years ago, but I still find it hilarious that here he is coming out all crazy to an old meme because crazy Mick Moretti just doesn't know any better. <laughs> and he's got his full um, face paint on, the white face paint with the big clown smile and the red nose and the darkened eyes. Very Joker-esque. And, and then we'll get to Rocky Bonero here. Yeah, so as Rocky comes out, he's accompanied by Miss Madeline and Tyler Daniels, but Moretti attacks Daniels in the ring from behind with a suitcase of some sort. And then as Tyler has been taken to the back by the referee, 
Moretti moves to the outside, grabs Madeline's hand and handcuffs her to the guardrail, making it a fair one-on-one match for the championship. So this was like my first time ever watching a Rocky Monero match before. I definitely knew who he was. It was actually really familiar with him. And like my, as crazy as this sounds, my first introduction to um, Rocky Monero and and Mick Moretti was from um, Elliot Sexton's videos back in the day. There was like a sex rock. The trophy line? No, there was one before that where it was like sex rock versus the world or something. And it was just Jonah Rock and Elliot hanging out and like hanging out with other TMDK guys or trying to get into TMDK at first. And and um, Mick Moretti would like just randomly pop up in random locations in like closets or like in the roof or something and be like, hey, Elliot, I want to hang out with you. I want to be your friend. <laughs> like weird stuff like that. And Rocky Monero was always just the guy that was too cool to talk to even Elliot Sexton. But this was the first time I ever saw him wrestle, first time I ever saw him make an entrance in front of a crowd. And I was like, whoa, this guy looks like money. This guy looks like a superstar. This is why, why am I not seeing him all over Australia just like killing this scene? Yeah, absolutely. He's definitely got a um, star presence about him in the ring. Yeah, definitely. Carry on. So as the match begins, it's now one-on-one. At one stage, Rocky goes to grab Moretti by the hair, but the hair falls off and he just looks confused by this. Rocky's using the ref's count to lure Moretti outside as he'll retain the championship via countout. Moretti goes to the outside and gets knocked down for his troubles and... Monero returns back into the ring to try to win via referee countout. Later on, Moretti is kicked low behind the referee's back and Tyler Daniels returns from the locker room with a key to free Madeline. Behind the referee's back, Madeline is on the apron as Daniels enters the ring and hits a flat line to Moretti before Rocky hits a roll of the dice for a two count. Somehow, Moretti's managed to kick out and starts to fire up on Rocky. Madeline's on the apron again, distracting Mick, but he sidesteps her, and Rocky runs full charge and hits Madeline off the apron. Mick goes for a top rope dive, but Daniels pulls Rocky to safety just in the nick of time, and Rocky hits a clothesline from hell for the pinfall victory in 9.29. Yeah, I I loved the the commentators made a big point of, like, all throughout the match, all Rocky does to win is cheat. All he does to win is cheat. And he wins this match by wrestling. And it was... A little bit of interference here and there, but mostly clean. Yeah, and they make a big point of the fact that he pinned uh, Mick Moretti clean. Um, So already we're four matches into this show. And the last two matches, match three and match four, could main event any... Where any promotion in the country, honestly. Oh yeah, any uh, any other day, and these two would have had headline, no questions asked. Yeah, um, like I said, Rocky Monero. I keep going. I keep thinking I'm going to say Romero. So, 
that's the only issue I have with Rocky Monero is that his name's too close to the coach of Rapungi 3K. But uh, Rocky Monero, I'd ne- never seen him wrestle before. He's got a superstar look. He's fantastic in the ring. He does the whole cowardly heel thing to p- perfection. He wants to cheat. He wants to get the count out victory. He wants to get DQ'd. He wants to do all that. All that matters is that he walks out with his title. It's perfect. Oh, absolutely. He's he's definitely one to watch, I'd say, in the years going ahead. Um, from there, we'll go on to match number five. It's a number one contenders match for the RCW Championship. So it's Jet Armstrong versus Steve Miller with Jimmy C in his corner. Now, what did you think of Steve Miller's entrance? So, I 100% have no idea about the background of these characters, right? And then the dulcet tones of Toto hit the speakers, and I'm like, all right, we got something going on here. And then he gets introduced from South Africa right as the the chorus is about to hit for Toto's Africa. I thought it was great. You know I love that stuff. Oh, yeah, it just plays... Like, this is my first time seeing him as well, but the fact he's announced from Africa as Toto's Africa is playing, and the lights just change as soon as the... Yeah. And then it comes up... There's rains in Africa. And the chorus comes up and the lights all change and it's just, wow. Yeah, it's perfect. So there's not really much to add on to this match and I'll get there in just a second why. But in the beginning, both men are attempting their finishes on each other with either men either escaping or countering. Then Tyler Daniels runs down from the locker room and clotheslines both men resulting in a no contest at 619 Afterwards, Daniels gets back up, pulls a chain from out of his tights, wraps it around his fist, hits Jet, then Steve, takes a mite, runs down the crowd in attendance and the commentary, calls himself the gatekeeper of RCW while kicking Jet out of the ring. Yeah. Okay. Do you have much to really add on this match? No, not at all. Um, Toto. Like, that's what stood out for me. Like, nothing wrong with what these guys did out there. Uh, It was a great match, but, um, well, yeah, it was a fun match, but, yeah. It was was fun as it could be, considering the end result. Yeah, exactly. Um, So from there, we'll move on to a video package that is... It's announcing the return of the RCW Women's Champion, Nikki Fortune, saying that she'll return to action on March 21st at RCW Power Trip, and her first match back will be against the man who injured her and stole her title, Tony Toro. To the dulcet tones of lights theme from Death Note. Oh, yes. As soon as that happened, I'm like, oh, I'm interested now. What's going on? To be honest, I was... It kind of took me out of it because I was just like, oh, yeah, I need to watch Death Note again. Oh, yes. So much rewatch value. Wait, not the next Netflix episodes. No. The proper anime episodes. But we're getting off track again. Um, how do you think this video package 
worked announcing a big match for the next event. Okay, so I didn't realise it was announcing a match for the next event. I think, like I said earlier, I got a bit distracted by the music and started thinking about other things. Started thinking about Shinigamis and all that good stuff. So I was like, oh, so whatever match this is must be coming up next because it looks like a coming up next video package. And also another issue I had with the video package is for a post-production like video package that you've had like probably a month to edit up and all that. Geez, the audio when they cut to the speaking parts in this promo package was pretty rough to hear at times. Yeah, that and I'd say as a new watcher to RCW regularly who's not just cherry-picking matches here and there, it did seem a bit all over the timeline for what it was trying to get across. I honestly still couldn't have told you, like, the name of that dude in the video package. And, like, this is admittedly my first time watching RCW, but you got to make those video packages for the people that are seeing stuff for the first time so they can get up to speed with these storylines. And I honestly didn't feel like I knew what was going on besides some guy stealing the woman's belt. Yeah, I'd have to have to agree there. I did watch it a couple of times, admittedly, so I probably do have a better better understanding than you. Um, so I must note that on March 17th, RCW officially cancelled their March 21st event, Power Trip, as the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic grew. Let's say Corona took over. Just say the world ended. We understand why you cancelled Riot City. So from there, we go on to the co-man event. It's a four-way match. So it's Dean Brady versus Royce Chambers versus Havoc versus Katie Trey. Also announced the week that this show aired was that Royce Chambers was going on a Japan tour with DDT for a month. Yeah, now that you bring that up, could this be like the unluckiest year for Australian wrestlers. Like, we've got so many guys and gals getting big bookings overseas and getting contracts and all that sort of stuff. And as soon as it all happens for them, the world ends. And we can't go anywhere. (laughs) You look at people like Shazza McKenzie, who flew herself all the way over to America. Everything was fine when she got on the plane. And then she gets off in America and everything's closing down and locking down borders, so she had to come all the way back without wrestling. And, like, like, is Kellyanne ever going to get the chance to wrestle in the com- company that she signed a contract for? Like, is Brooksy... Brooksy didn't ma- have an appearance at ROH yet, has he, or...? Did he have one? His first match was supposed to be against Lex at the... I'm pretty sure it was the anniversary show. Yeah, so like... Yeah, because Ring of Honor's anniversary is early in the year and TNA's later in the year and they're both in 2002. Um, So yeah, it was the anniversary show against Lex. Lex had a replacement opponent. Was it Cobb? Because Brooksy couldn't get over because of the travel issues or something at that time. And Kellyanne was announced around that time and then everything sort of fell apart. Yeah. 
But the point I'm trying to make is like, it really felt like Australian wrestling had finally been like welcomed in with like warm, loving arms of the American wrestling scene to kick off this year. And as is typical for us Aussie underdogs, we've been shoved back under our rock into hiding because we can't get over there now, just as the opportunities show up for us. Yeah, that and you look at someone like, we're doing this episode in mid-May, and you look at someone like Robbie Eagles, who's just started getting regular tours with New Japan, and the entire Best of the Super Juniors this year was cancelled. Yeah, so, like... When he had such a good showing last year. Yeah, poor Robbie, too, like... And and his teaming with, like, probably the top babyface guy, Gene, in the company right now. Yeah, teaming with... E- with Osprey. Yeah, Will's still in juniors, I think, so he would have been in that tournament, so he would be teaming with him on the non-block days. Mm. But, yeah, yeah, it's just sad in a way to see so many people finally getting their opportunities and it just turns upside down. Like, I've been, like... I've been a Kellyanne superfan for, like, a couple of years now since since the first time I saw her in person. I was like saw her in a tables match against Vixen and they just beat the holy crap out of each other. And I was like, whoa, this was before the women's revolution and all that. It was a lot more than a few years ago, actually. And I was like, what? This is what women's wrestling can be? Oh, my God, why isn't anyone signing this chick? Someone needs to sign this chick, and she finally gets signed, and this happens. So, like... Don't worry, we'll get there one day. Yeah, we'll get there. But, Royce Chambers. (laughs) DDT. That's what you... That's what brought us onto this massive tangent. So, yeah, Royce Chambers is off to Japan next month for DDT, and it's announced that Havoc is a 21-year veteran and is yet to be pinned or submitted in RCW going into this match. Uh, early on, it's a mix of speed and power, but as each man goes for a pinfall attempt, there's always someone there to break it up. Towards the end of the match, Royce lands a twisting corkscrew onto all three men, but can't get a cover on anyone. Later, he lands a twisting handspring onto Brady and Trey on the outside. Royce gets back inside, but Havoc goes to pick up Royce for a slam. Royce slips through and pins Havoc in 6.09. Bit of a surprising upset. Yeah, I loved it. I um, Right result. Right person went over, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. Especially um, Right City talking up Royce, sorry, as much as um, he's going overseas next year. It was the right result in the end. Yeah, exactly. And you're building up to another match down the road. Oh, absolutely. Um, So from there, we'll go on to the main event, which is world-class egos, that's Chris Basso and Matt Hayter, versus Gods and Monsters, your RCW Tag Team Champions, that's Brody Marshall and Grimm. Don't you mean the Ascension experience? Nah, but... I see where you're going with this, and... 
Yeah, they do. I suppose if you're a new viewer. If you'd never seen these guys before, you would think that, I don't know, Connor and Ivar had a secret torrent affair. But, nah, um, they shown a video package before this match of world-class egos. Yeah, showing their journey from um, Hayda crossing Basso at uh, singles championship opportunity and then them starting to team up and become friends and then cha- working their way to challenging for the titles. Yeah, I loved this video package. Uh, for someone that never seen their stuff before, I'd only seen bits of Chris Basso here and there um, from his appearances in PWA and his couple of appearances he had in MCW once. Um, this was a great video package. It was fun. There was some good funny stuff in there as well. I was really excited to get into this match because even, like I said before, I'd never watched a full Riot City wrestling show before, but the matches I had seen, Chris Basso versus Matt Basso, Grimm versus... You know, the the Basso brothers are synonymous with Riot City Wrestling. That's pretty much all I knew about Riot City Wrestling was the Basso boys. Yeah, they've got a a long storied uh, time in Riot City, those two brothers. So from there we go to the entrances and first out is world-class egos mocking the champions, entering dressed as a wizard and a god to the theme music of God and Monsters. It was so good. So good. So one's dressed up as like a Merlin wizard, big long beard, pointy hat, staff, long robe. It was like an actually awesome staff that he had too. And he like stands in the middle of the ring and like jams it in the ground. And you couldn't hear him, but you can see him mouth the words, you shall not pass. Perfect. And then the other one's dressed up like like a typical picture of like Jesus Christ. Yeah, uh, he looked like, without getting religious, I will say he looked like the Monday Night Messiah. That picture they put on his Titan Tron every week on Raw. Oh, Jesus. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> I, I didn't even mean that. See the sort of unprofessional behaviour I have to work with all the time. A little. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it was, it was a great entrance. It trolled me. I was like, because I was, I'd seen little bits of gods and monsters from like videos and little video packages. So I was like, big. I'm a big boy fan, so I was pretty keen to see these big boys get out there. The gods and monsters theme hits. And out comes world-class ego just trolling me. Then the theme hits and it's a lot, it's a bit heavier. You can hear a slight difference in the drum beat. Yeah. uh, From what I understand, I think that was a new version of the theme for the guys. And it's a really good way to bring in a new theme by having someone else rip off your old theme. It's like, okay, then. We can play our new theme now. Yeah, actually, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought of that before. Um, they have sort of a stare down in the ring, 
Hader and Marshall start off for their respective teams. It's noted on commentary that Hader does have a singles victory over Grimm in the past. Later on, the two former Basso brothers face off. Uh, do you have anything to add up until this stage, Alex? First of all, I'm just like, all right, there is like four legit main eventers in this ring right now. Like, if you chucked a strap on any any one of these four to be the centerpiece of your company, I would not complain or blame you. Yeah, I'd have to agree. And especially um, the wrestling scene, I have heard of Brody Marshall and Grimm and Matt Basso and Matt Hayter before, so they do carry a fair bit of weight if you're a, a long-time sort of follower of the scene. Uh, back to the action. Grimm puts Hayter in the gallows, which is where he stands in the turnbuckles and has him in a chokehold around the neck. Later on, Basso's near the corner and puts Grimm up across the turnbuckles. Now all four men are in the ring, and the ref doesn't seem to care for about two minutes. It's starting to break down on the outside now as the men begin to brawl around the ring. The ref goes to check on them on the outside. The ref climbs back into the ring and starts to do a count out. At this point, I lost track of who the legal men were and who's not, as Basso and Grimm begin to face off once again in the ring. A clothesline from Hell turns Basso inside out before a doomsday device, and a pinfall attempt is broken up as all four men are in the ring again and the ref doesn't seem to care. On the outside, Grimm drives Basso's back into the edge of the ring apron. Both gods and monsters land double choke slam onto Hader inside the ring, but the pin attempt is broken up by Basso. All four men are still in the ring, with gods and monsters going for double covers, and the ref does a double count as they both kick out at two. In the closing moments of the match, Basso hits a moonsault to Grimm on the outside as Hader rolls through on Brody for the free count, which went 20 minutes and 14 seconds. In the post-match, Gods and Monsters grab the titles from the referee, but then present them to world-class egos in a sign of respect. What a match. I loved this. It sounds, by your tone of things, I think you have a few complaints like you did on the solo show you did about tag team rules being enforced. But I I loved this. Yeah, this was a great hard-hitting match. Um, Just, yeah, my lone complaint again is the referee enforcing tag rules like, I would say it's a big-time main event. Referee's discretion in a championship main event. That would be the cop-out answer for any complaints you have. Fair enough, then. That's what I would do if I was the referee and you were questioning me. But, I mean, like, we need gods and monsters to... Like, picture this. The world's back to whatever normal there is going to be. And we're at MCW. The Brat Pack's beaten uh, another tag team yet again. 
they're doing their spiel about how they're the greatest tag team in Australia. Listen up, biddies and boys and all that. And then they're like, there's not a tag team out there that can beat us. Music hits. Gods and monsters come out. Squash the Brat Pack. Take those straps. Man, that's just that's just magic right there because it's your cowardly heels getting beat down by these blokes. Like I want to see gods and monsters in every promotion in Australia. Like I want to see them everywhere. I want to turn around in my living room and just be staring at the massive chest of bloody <laughs> of grim. I just want Grimm to be, like, dripping on me and being like, So to sum it up politely, I was a big fan of this match, and I really enjoyed Gods and Monsters. I cannot get enough. I want more of them. And I love the respect thing at the end of the match and all that. It was... And the crowd was just so invested in this because this two of the four men in this ring built that company. Like they built everything about that company together by being in the ring together. The Bassos are in there staring and the first time they stare at each other and they're both legal men in the ring, that crowd is just... It's gone from simmering to boiling point in like point zero of a second. It was. Oh, yeah. And the crowd actually adds a lot to this match as well. They're cheering most of the way through this match at a, what you'd consider a main event sort of crowd reaction. Yeah. And, you know, we're, here we are talking about a company where they're more than happy to main event an anniversary show with their tag title because that's how much stock they'd put into all the titles they have that they don't just rely on the one like singles title to build their company with like that they can happily put Rocky Monero in the middle of the card yeah and that's like not to say too much about other companies but you look at a PWA and last year they had the women's championship headliner event yeah definitely because it was the most important match on that on that event and some would say it's probably still the most important title they have at pwa like they're the pwwa championship is it's the pinnacle like if i was a wrestler right now in pwa man or woman i'd be wanting to get a match for that title because that would put the most spotlight on me. Yeah. Um, So just quickly, do you have any time for the post-match interviews from Wright City Wrestling? I watched one and I think it added to the rose-coloured glasses I had to the epic encounter involving Baron. Yeah, so we both watched the Jonathan Corday versus Baron post-match interview and it's sort of set up like a I suppose 1920s silent movie with like a organ playing in the background and Jonathan's just there looking and 
then it flashes up like a word card and it reads, Baron, Baron, he's a monster. And then he's sort of looking off into the distance and another title card flashes up and it says, uh-oh. And it flashes back to the footage and you can see Baron's walking through the doorway in the far corner. <laughs> he's just standing there, just like doing the um, classic, well... I consider the cane head tilt where you got the, the mask on and all you do is just slowly tilt that head and it says more than a thousand words will. I loved that. And then they, the camera pans back to Jonathan who's helped, like being helped to the backstage area by a referee. The referee sees Baron, just freaks out and drops Jonathan <laughs> on the floor, runs off, and the camera just pans away and it just says, with a title card, Finn. Yeah, right. Fantastic. I love this. This was just so different. Yeah, so this is like a staple of the Jonathan Corviday character, I think. By the looks of it. I'd have to assume so. Like I said, I don't know too much about it, but like he comes out to the ring and is introduced as weighing in at however many liquid ounces and yeah i heard that and that's like a um private party sort of reference there's um ounces of cranberry snops or something like that yeah yeah and um yeah this uh corviday fellas definitely got my attention from this match uh from this show and that tells you something to all your wrestlers out there man, just make the most of the minutes you get because these fellas had, what, four and a half minutes of a match. Yeah. And we're on the same card as an absolute belter of a main event, but you tell you say the phrase RCW reanimated, the first thing that pops in my head is Baron and Corviday. Yeah, it certainly was a unique, unique promo and a unique match. Um... So overall, just some quick highlights from me. The positives, um, it was a really solid card with excellent in-ring, great VOD presentation, including a very fast four-day turnaround. Um, the post-match comments were a nice touch, and it's sort of, um, I'd like to see this sort of thing from more companies um, just to offer something different. Yeah, do so. more companies need to do the New Japan style, like, post-match in the locker room press conferences and stuff like that too. I suppose it all depends how your company is, but if you're one who can, I'd like to see it a lot more. Um, the two negatives I had was during the main event, the camera they were using flashed up memory card full on the screen that. for like 30 seconds. Oh, my God. Yeah, so... Generally, when I watch wrestling, I watch wrestling whilst I'm playing the PlayStation. So so more often than not, I'm listening, but also watching. But I must have missed that 30 seconds that popped up. Oh. And then just because I'm a bit of a stickler for tag team rules. Oh, here we go again. Just, yeah. Oh, here we go, Cornet. <laughs> seven minutes of double teaming in the tag team championship map 
match where the ref was watching, but somehow the ref felt the need to enforce a double count out during that match as well. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> Overall, really great show, and I honestly I can't complain too much about it when the price is right. Alright, are we giving thumbs up or are we giving stars? What's what's our rating system here at Wrestle Oz Star? Whatever you feel like, my friend. Alright, I will give this show four beers out of a six pack. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Four beers. Have I just made up a new rating system? Alright. Sure, why the hell not? <laughs> so eight eight packs at the Tokyo Dome? I guess. <laughs> Uh, so that that concludes our review of RCW's reanimation number 15. Not much really more to add on to that, do you, Alex? No, no, that was... um, It's definitely wor- worth getting on the Riot City Wrestling's YouTube channel and having a look. Like, there are some legit... I mean, legit stars that they have in Adelaide there. Um... Yeah, so anyone who's familiar with uh, Bronson Reed in NXT, formerly Jonah Rock, he was from Adelaide in Wright City Wrestling. Also, Rhea Ripley, formerly Demi Bennett, was also from Wright City Wrestling. Uh, Vinky did a bit there as well. Like, oh. Yeah, Brendan Vink, uh, Indy Hartwell, who's now on NXT. Pretty much any Australian wrestler that is worth anything went through Riot City Wrestling because you have to be worth something to go through there. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Like, look, look at the look at the interstate talent that they had on this card alone. Like, it is legitimately the best of the best from the promotions outside you of South Australia. Adam Brooks, you got Mick Barretti. You got Royce Chambers. Royce Ch- Chambers, yeah. Like, you're legitimately, like, picking from... Picking from the best of the best of Australian wrestling. So to get there from out of state, you have to be a big deal. Yeah. Um, if you like, we can go on to letting the listeners know what's coming up next. Yeah, of course. So on May 27th, we'll have our February 2020 in Australia and New Zealand review where we'll be covering 12 events. And then on June 3rd, we'll be having another edition of Thunderstorm, where we'll be covering AEW's Double or Nothing and the following Dynamite afterwards. And after that, we have a special announcement coming up very shortly, Alex. Let me tell you, it is going to be a lot of fun, bro. That's my swervy hint. No, we're not having Russo on the show. And I believe you yourself have a very special announcement to any of the listeners out there. Yeah, so uh, there is another podcast out there called RBR Weekly Wrestling Talk. That's the letters R-B-R. Weekly Wrestling Talk that I've been a listener for for about, geez, eight years now. And... I'm going to be on this week's episodes the day after this episode drops on the 21st of May for us Aussies out there. And um, I'm going to be a special guest host on RBR Weekly Wrestling Talk. And it is a show that I would definitely recommend listener discretion on. They are very not 
unpolitically correct, and there will be a fair few four-letter words shared on that podcast. But it'll be a lot of fun. So if you come have a listen, if you're listening to us, go have a listen to them. And if you're listening to them, come listen to us. And also how you're listening to this, if you're listening to them. Maybe they've gone back and started listening to our archive. Well, good. You should have been here already. Jeez. (laughs) Thank you for joining. Anything else to add for the week? Um, uh, I like the big boys. I like the big boys. They're big and they're tough and they're big and they're strong and they're scary. And I want Grim in my living room staring at me angrily, scaring me into getting motivated for the day. So we need more big boys in wrestling. Give us big boys. All right. We'll see you all next week. Cheers. Toodaloo.